Good morning and welcome to New Life Church. We're so glad to have each and every one of you here today. Whether you're here with us in person or joining us online, we're just glad that you are here and a part of New Life Church. My name is Lindsay Young and I'm the assistant pastor here at New Life Church. Today we've got a great word and some worship happening. As far as giving goes, we'll take up offering at the end of our service, but you can actually give online at any point during our service today. And our kids are already back in New Life Kids, so you can check in your kids as soon as you arrive. Right now, though, we're going to get ready to head straight into worship. Would you join me in prayer this morning as we go into this time together? Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that where two or more are gathered together in your name, you are here in the midst of us. And Lord, today, as we gather here in this place and online, we thank you that your presence is with each and every one of us. Lord, we ask that you would come and inhabit the praises of your people today as we worship together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together, New Life Church. Standing here upon this holy ground, our voices rising as the sweetest sound to you. This simple song we bring to you alone we sing, you alone we glorify, joining heaven as we worship you, the song of heaven rising up to you, we're laying down our crowns and the sound of our praises as we worship you. Sing standing here. Standing here upon this holy ground, our voices rising as the sweetest sound. To you, this simple song we bring, to you alone we sing. song of heaven rising up to you. We're laying down our crowns and lifting up the sound of our praises as we worship you. We worship you this morning, Father. We bring all that we are and lay it at your feet. We worship you today. Right where we are. You meet us here, God. We sing the heaven song is everlasting. Heaven song is everlasting. With no end and no beginning. All the of all creation still could not contain your glory. Sing it again, heaven song. Heaven song is everlasting with no end and no beginning. All the praise of all 
song of heaven rising up to you. We're laying down our crowns and lifting up the sound of our praises as we worship you. praised him this morning. When we fill our mouths with praises, he meets us here. There's no room for worries when we're full of praise. Sing holy. Holy, holy, holy are you worthy of all praise and glory. Teaching me how to receive it 
we have to open up our mouths before we see those walls come crashing down he's seen them all in front of us but we got to get bold sometimes and say wall fall down he knows all the ins and outs thank you God that you know us so intimately I am 
you for the truth that is you know our name you know every every detail about us father you are not ignorant to our circumstances and you are present with us in everything and we praise you for that in Jesus name amen all right Woo. did you get loosened up you get ready for some and preaching hopefully can flow as good as that. I'm not going to sing for you. Uh, go ahead and have a seat. We'll, we'll dive into the Word. Are you happy? Are you happy all these people are back here doing things? Amen? Amen. Oh. I've been thinking, sitting here thinking about this topic all week. And we're going to talk about truth and what it is and what it isn't. And I'm just, it's just so applicable to where we are as, as, a, as a people. I mean, Jesus warned us in Matthew 24 that deception in the end times would run rampant. And it's hard not to open a web browser and see hashtag fake news or share I've personally, I'm sure no one else but just me, have shared an article that may have had a headline that said one thing and a body that said another. Um, the important thing to understand is that truth is, is, uh, is, is foundationally important. It, it's, not, um, it's not up for debate. We have to have it. You, ha- you have to have a compass to know which way is north so you know where you're going. You have to have uh, points of reference. Uh, when you're driving back to your house today, you might daydream and, and realize you've driven five miles without, without thinking about it, and that's because you know the path, you know the, point, you know the points of reference along the way. 
But if you're going somewhere new, then you're doing that half and half back and forth between your phone and the GPS and the road and looking at road signs, trying to understand where you are. Because if you don't have that, you're taking a guess. You're gambling with where you're going. You might have an idea. You might know, to get to California, I need to get on I-40 and drive west. But if you don't have a specific destination in mind, and if you're not seeking directions to, those, to that destination, who knows where you're going to end up? So I want to talk about truth today and how it grounds us and how it is our point of reference. So it's important that the verse we're going we're gonna to look at is uh, the primary verse is John 14, 6. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So let's pray over this real quick. Lord, thank you so much for your word, for your truth. And Lord, right now I pray that you would flow through me freely, Lord, and deliver the message you want to deliver, and open, open ears and eyes and hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So when you define truth, the dictionary says, what truth is what is true in any matter under consideration. So whatever it is, if, something's, if, we're, if we're labeling something a truth, it is true under all conditions, under all circumstances. It is true regardless of how we feel. It is true at all times. So Jesus made a bold claim to say that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So we're going to talk about three things, three pillars of truth that are key for anyone to understand, but very important is we as believers understand. And that first one is that the truth is a person. So Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. So that means that the person of Jesus, which creates some interesting dynamics in, inside of relationship, is truth, is that unmovable point, is that point of reference that we that we look back to and affirm where we're at or understand our position in life. So part of, part of what we're talking about is that the truth is objective. And when I say that, I mean that it is independent of our preference and independent of our feelings about something. Whether or not I like it, gravity is a truth and it determines my weight. So when I step on the scale and I'm happy with all the numbers that have been added since quarantine, <laughs> I can feel like it's a lie and I don't have to believe it. But the truth of the matter is, this is my weight because gravity is a truth. Gravity is, is present where I am. I don't have a choice over whether or not gravity is present. So in the same way, Jesus is our unwavering truth. He is our rock, our foundation. We always talk about foundation and standing on it, a firm foundation. The truth is often er, is, is, is referred to as a belt that girds us up, that strengthens and shores us up. And Jesus says, I am the way. Not, it's not, 
my way's the way. It's I, Jesus, am the way. So Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is unwavering. Scripture reaffirms that he is that single point that is not changing. And we have to understand that. If we're going to base our whole life around Jesus, which we've said we, that's what we've committed to, if we said we believe in Jesus, that he is an unwavering truth that is true regardless of how we feel. So, the truth is unmovable. It's, it's a person in Jesus, and the dynamic that creates is that the truth is, we're in relationship with truth. That the truth is something to be engaged. That the truth is active and speaking to us. The truth is available to be interacted with. If you don't know about something, you have the person called truth to go talk to. The truth is to be pursued. In Matthew 7, it says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. If you don't know, or you don't know the truth about something, you have a means to find out. I'm trying to tread carefully. The truth is there for our benefit. Jesus is there for our benefit, and he wants us to, to be and abide in him and him abide in us. But it's very easy for us to develop preferences that we're unwilling to move on. And I don't mean that in like a moral way. Like, you don't rob from your neighbor. You don't, you don't murder. Like, those are pretty understood. But if we... The Proverbs tells us that there's a way that seems right to a man, but the path leads to death. So we have to understand that we are regularly... If we're not in that close relationship walking with Jesus, our feelings and our preferences have a tendency to become uh, true north for us. So our compass, instead of pointing toward Christ, when we're not engaged with him regularly in that dynamic relationship, our, our compass tends to swing over to what we prefer and what we feel about certain things. Does that make sense? This is yes. This is no. Okay. So the truth is a person, and we have to be engaged with that person, that unchanging person of Jesus. The second pillar is the truth has a cost. Now, you hear this a lot. Uh, Jesus says, anybody that's going to follow me has to die to himself. That means you're putting off a lot. Dead people don't have a lot of say-so in living. In Matthew 16, 24, in the Passion Translation, it's really good. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life, and you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways. 
Mm, all right, we just gonna stop. That's that. That's it. There it is. Continually surrender. Completely reject and disown your own life. He's not. He's not telling you that you've got to abandon your family and go be a missionary in the Antarctic. But what he is saying is that you have to lay down everything so that he can restore it in the proper order. Otherwise, those things take an unhealthy place in our hearts. The truth requires us to be submitted and to sacrifice. So that, that by definition involves being uncomfortable. That by definition involves painful circumstances. Because Jesus tells us there's a, a shared burden to bear. There's a cross that we carry with him to share in some of his suffering. So if you don't believe that bad circumstances are in your future as a believer, then you have not listened to the truth. Sometimes it's going to be bad. Not that it's always bad, but that we're reaffirmed that the truth is that that's how you, that's how you know that Christ is the rock in your life. If you've never weathered a storm and needed a rock to be on, then it's real easy to leave the rock. It's real easy to wander off and not understand that it's your safe place, that it's your your place of refuge if all you do is do your own thing and you're not engaging dynamically with Jesus. So the truth requires us to submit and to sacrifice some of our preferences. One of the preferences that I had to let go of was the need to be right. I would argue till I was blue in the face if I thought I was right about something. And it didn't, I was, the, the problem was I could be right. It wasn't the, it wasn't whether or not I was, I had the correct argument or the correct information it was the fact that I was sacrificing someone else to be right. I was tearing down or destroying someone or destroying relationship with someone because they needed to know that they were wrong. And that's, that's, not, that's not right. And one of the first things Jesus freed me of was a need to be right. And once you can be freed from the need to be right and you don't have a problem saying I'm wrong and apologizing and just owning it in the moment, the freedom that comes with that is amazing. No, you're wrong. You know what? That's correct. All right, let's fix it and move on. And then everyone is out of ammo and no one has any unpinned hand grenades in their hand trying to gain ground, trying to win this over, trying to one-up each other. It's just one example of preference and truth. The truth does not care to offend your mind to expose your heart. Mm, he does it a lot. We took... 
the example that that I immediately came to was the rich rich young ruler in Mark ten. It says Jesus, starting in verse twenty one, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. This is right after. I have to give you some context because I didn't want to include everything. This rich young ruler has come to Jesus as good teacher. I've obeyed all your laws and all your commandments. What else should I do? And this is what Jesus responds to him, feeling genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this time at this the man's face fell. And he went away sad, for he had many possessions. And this is a little bit later in this same chapter and in the different synoptic gospels. Jesus, This is where Jesus says it's hard for a rich man to enter heaven. It's easier for a camel to pass the eye of a needle. Now, if you just look at that plainly and don't engage the Lord, it's very easy to say, well, you can't be rich and be a Christian. But what he's doing here is he is exposing the man's heart. I would like to think for our context that this man had good intentions when he came to Jesus. He wasn't trying to boast about himself. He thought he was doing well. And so he came to the Lord and said, what else? What else should I do? And Jesus, feeling genuine love for him, wanting to further engage and go deeper with him, looked at his heart and said and thought and saw, wealth has taken a place in your heart that is unhealthy. You would listen to wealth before you would listen to Jesus. So to address that, Jesus says, get rid of it. How committed are you to following me? How committed are you to the teachings? of Christ. Sell it all and come follow me with my 12 disciples where we don't know where we're going to sleep. We don't know where we're going to eat. And we just have the clothes on our back. And I would like to think, we're not given a definitive answer, but I would like to think that he left sad because he knew what he had to do and he was going to go do it. That's what I would like to think. We don't know. It doesn't tell us. But Jesus will ask you to make sacrifices, kind of like uh, Jacob and, uh, or is it Isaac and his son Jacob? Whichever one. No, Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and Isaac, yeah. Where he asked him to sacrifice his son. He saw where his son had taken, had taken precedence over the Lord. And so he said, all right, you're going to have to sacrifice him. And right at that very moment where it was going to happen, he saw that he was actually going to follow through with it, and he stopped him. In the same way, when, we, when Jesus asks us to make specific sacrifices, it's not necessarily because whatever we're engaged in is bad, but it may be a test of our heart. If he told you right now, if you had overwhelming affirmation that the Lord said, you know what you got to do? You got to sell your house right now. You have to sell your house right now and you need to move. You need to move to um, Kenya and you're going to start a missionary or uh, start a mission right here in this city with a, with this person. 
and like five people gave you that word. And every time you heard somebody preach, that's all you thought about. And you had a decision to make. Would you say yeah? And it would offend your mind because we've all built lives here. We've all established ourselves here. We all have family here. But if the Lord asked you to get up and move, are you going to listen to the truth who says that he knows that he's working for the good in everything, that he has a plan and a purpose for you? Or are you going to embrace your preference of, I would like to remain where I am because it's comfortable and I know it? Jesus knows our hearts, and he will ask us to do things that expose those hidden areas so that we can see them and that we can address them. A good example, once again, I know all of y'all in here are perfect, so I'll just tell you about my imperfections. Um, voting. If you, I used to be totally gripped by the political spirit, y'all. I was entrenched. That was part of that whole need to be right. And I'd argue with you, I didn't care. But I, I, it, it possessed me. And uh, one of the things during my, after I encountered the Lord and, we, and, and started entering into relationship and the Lord started to change me was, we, I went to go, I think it was a local election. I forget what it was for. It was, it was maybe... It was one of those random random offices you never know about that somebody's running for that you just see on the ballot. It's the registrar of deeds or something. And I knew I didn't know anybody involved in it. But where I had previously done, and I would look next to the name and see a particular letter and vote for the letter I chose, this time I prayed and said, Lord, I don't know. Who's the better person for this job? Who needs this job? Who do you want to have this job? And he told me to vote for the person who had the letter behind their name that I did not typically vote for. And I said, okay. And I clicked the button and I moved on. But I want I want to I, I want to challenge you with that thing. If if the Lord forced his way in while you were in the voting booth and said, you know what? Vote this way. Or vote that way. Or don't vote. Abstain. Would you do it? Would you listen to the truth? Or would you sacrifice truth for your preference? Jesus will test our hearts for our submittedness. Now, I don't want to sit here and just lob rocks at you. That's why I'm telling you about my experiences. The Lord continues to to test me and shape me and mold me. And what I found out to be very true is that the things he asks me to lay down, he often, once I immediately lay them down, restores them on the other side to see where they're at to see where my heart is. He honors the sacrifice. But you have to be willing to make the uncomfortable and costly decision of saying, yes, Lord, you're the truth regardless of what my preference is. And that leads us to the third pillar, which is the truth unites. The truth unites us. It doesn't divide us. 
Ephesians 1, verse 9 and 10. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is that plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. There's a ditch on both sides of the road. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And along that way, we can choose to get stuck in a ditch on either side. I want to encourage you that if you find yourself in a position where your perspective is us and them or right and wrong and in it drives anger and rage and frustration to seek out your point of reference and to talk to Jesus and to pray and ask the Lord, what, what am I not seeing? What do I need to know? What perspective do I need to have? Feed me the truth so that I can have the right perspective. The enemy, it tells us, he's looking for those people that are isolated off the pack, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. If you don't think the enemy is right in the middle of politics doing weird things. All you have to look at is Christ's mission and where it divides up between political parties. If you want to be, if you want to help the poor, because Jesus said help the poor, the widows and the orphans, you have to be over here. If you want to uh, be pro-life and work to uh, ensure the safety of of the unborn. You have to be over here. You can't share because if you did that, you've, you've mutinied, you've betrayed, and you're not worth anything because you're not part of our group who's right at all costs. It doesn't matter. You're wrong. Does that sound familiar? I mean, I have been that person. I'm not telling you anything that hasn't happened in my life. But it all goes back to that person of truth. If you're not engaged with that person of truth, if you're not engaged in the Word of God, if you're not regularly feeding yourself that, then all, you, you can't be surprised when your compass is broken and you end up lost somewhere or you end up stuck somewhere. There's a ditch on both sides of the road. Until we understand that the truth, that we are all together, we're all in this together, we cannot see the way God sees. The truth of love frames our vision and keeps us united. Our war is not against flesh and blood. That means our war is not with people. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we walk in the flesh, though we exist here in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, which means they're not physical, but mighty in God 
for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, which you could insert there to the obedience of truth. Our war is not against people, but it is against lies that work against Jesus. So I want to, I want to challenge you today to open your heart and to let Christ in some of the sensitive areas where you may feel strongly about one thing and you find yourself being against a brother or a sister, to ask God to come in and, and reveal the hidden things and offend your mind to expose the hidden areas of your heart so that you could see everyone and love. Not that we don't act without wisdom or even shrewdness and sometimes as Jesus has told us to be shrewd and wise. But we can't, we can't hate our brother and call ourselves a Christian. First John, mostly about that. You cannot hate a brother or a sister and say you are filled with God's love because his sacrifice has covered all of us. And in, in anybody in here worthy of the gift he's given on the front end. None of us have the ability to cast the first stone. And we shouldn't be out in the world looking to pick up rocks to throw at people. The truth is a person. That person will ask us to sacrifice. But ultimately, through that sacrifice, he will unite us in love and will bring all of this under Christ. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray, but I, I, I can pray all day, but if you won't open your ears and if you won't open your heart and you won't engage Jesus, the point's moot. I don't want to be all doom and gloom. There's, there's some good. The truth is also is that you're loved. And that Jesus so desperately wants you to know his love. And he so desperately wants you to know his truth because he can spare you all of this pain and heartache of living in on either side of the road. He can give you peace and he can give you love and fulfillment. So Father, right now, for those here and those joining us online. We open our hearts to you. We invite you in. We invite you in to shed light in every corner, every corner of our soul, every corner of our mind and heart, Lord. We submit to the truth, Lord, and we want to engage you in relationship so that we might be filled with love, so that we might be filled with the truth in trying times so that we might walk as Christ did, not in reaction to everything around him, 
but with the purpose of the Lord square in front of him. Father, that we might love our neighbor as ourselves, that we might love as you loved, sacrificing our own ways for you, who is love, who is truth. In Jesus' name, amen.